Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it is hump day, hump titty dump day. That means it is Dr. Judy Jasek day. Welcome from Tennessee, Dr. Jasek. Thank you. It's, it's hard for me to even know what uh, what day it is these days. Everything's kind of all running together and it's you know, it's just a whole new routine. You know, you have your, you know, you get used to a routine and your orientation and okay, I do this on this day and this on this day. And it's all discombobulated now, except now this podcast will help get me reoriented because there you go. DD day is hump day. There you go. I'm so excited uh, to talk to you and, and uh, feel like you're back, back with us, even though I know you're in another state, you're in Tennessee and um, we're so excited just to kind of hear about your journey out there. What's it like not having any neighbors, just being out on 10 acres, totally, you know, out there by yourself? So awesome. It's just, <laughs> it's just amazing. Last night I was outside. I was um, filling some planters with dirt up until just, just kind of right at dark. And, and we have fireflies out here. Now I saw fireflies growing up. I grew up in Illinois in the Chicago area and we had fireflies, but you know, we never saw those out West and you just look out and it's just, it just like lights up. Like we got this little field kind of back behind the house and it's just like lights it up with all these little, you know, yellow lights. It's just really, really cool. And it's very, um, you walk outside at night, you can just hear all the insects and whatever's out there making noise but it's like loud like there's lots of critters out there making all kinds of noise like never heard that so much in in Colorado you know it's just a more um humid environment and just a, just a lot more life here you know and um you know we have you can see wildlife going by and stuff so yeah it's 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 really fun we wanted to get it out away from the city and live in a rural area um, for a long time. So yeah, it, it feels really good. It, it feels very natural to be, you know, more, more out in the setting than in, you know, more in the city more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it'd be interesting to see if you feel, um, the decrease in EMFs, you know, that that's very interesting to see if you can actually feel it in your body. Well, I'll tell you what we have both, both my husband and I, like been sleeping like so good like I don't think I even got up once during last like I slept all the way through the night and woke up and just you know you just feel different when you've had like really good deep sleep you know versus tossing into now we've had the move and everything so we've had a lot of stuff on our minds and now a lot of that's behind us and so we can relax a little more but I I used to notice that camping like we go camping and you just sleep so much better and we're already noticing that here. So I think, you know, that's, that's a big factor. You know, we, we hardwire all our, um, all our stuff in here, like our computers and everything are all hardwired in. 
Um, so we try to minimize in the house, but when you're in a subdivision, you're bombarded by all the houses around you. So you really can't completely get away from it. But yeah, I think, I think we're going to feel a big difference. I, I just think it's going to be so much healthier out here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't see how it couldn't. And it'd be great to hear, you know, some of the other ways that now that you're in a, um, a place where it's humid and more bugs, how we address that in some of the areas that are more humid or some of our listeners do, you know, like with um, things that aren't poisonous. So that'd right. be- Right. Well, I, I have not gone out and bought any Nexgard yet or Advantix or any of those products. <laughs> and I probably won't. I haven't really been thinking about it. I guess I'll see something becomes a problem, you know, I guess I'll deal with it. But Yeah. Well, and you've got Joe Saladin, who you're going to be, you know, uh, attached to as well. So that's going to be very, very cool. That's really cool. But, all right. So while we've got you today, we've got some questions that have come in. And Dr. Jasek, while we're talking about it, when is the date that you're going to be ready to start back up with your telemedicine and uh, working with folks via, via Zoom? Oh, I already am. I already am. I, I worked with a couple people last week. I already started, um, you know, I kind of had a reduced schedule, but yeah, we're, we're back up. We're, we're back up. So anybody wants to go to our site and schedule, we're probably booking out a little further right now because I, I had a little more limited schedule with the move and everything, but, um, we're, we're back. Come, come on down. (laughs) Y'all, y'all. All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So we have a couple of questions for you today. Now, the first one deals with a dog who, let me give you the backstory. Um, This particular dog is on a fresh pet diet. uh, And I took a look at the fresh pet, uh, lots and lots and lots of ingredients in that particular food. The dog has gained a lot of weight on fresh pet. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if there's other items going into the dog or not, but uh, I see the dog on a regular basis. So this dog uh, is overweight, but it's got a limp and has had a limp on the front leg. So uh, pet parent took the dog in to the vet and they wanted to get, you know, some blood work done to see what might be causing this limp. Um. The dip blood work, what they found was that nothing else was out of range except the calcium. So the calcium in the blood was at a, a, um, let's see, it was at 16.4. And I think the range is somewhere between 6.4 and 11 something. So the vet wanted her to do more blood work to see if it was uh, a cancer in the leg. So uh, she said, can you ask your team what what I should do? Should I go and get other tests? Does this have anything to do with cancer? What should I do? So I said, you betcha. We'll talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. All so right. Any well, thoughts? yeah, I mean, there are there are some types of cancer that um, can cause the calcium to go up. Now, not typically uh like something showing up in the leg, like with like a bone cancer or something that those don't typically raise the calcium. Um, Interestingly, anal gland tumors, anal gland carcinomas, 
tend to raise the calcium and some types of lymphoma can cause the calcium to go up. So, you know, getting a full exam, maybe, you know, doing a, making sure that the anal glands have been checked because you can feel those tumors back there because they're, um, they grow from the anal glands and um, maybe, you know, getting a chest X-ray, getting an abdominal ultrasound, just, you know, just to make sure that there's, that there's nothing else going on. I mean, the other thought, you know, could be, it could be nutritional too. So, you know, I mean, I, I think, how old did you say this dog was? I think she's somewhere around seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, so doing the scans and I mean, you see a lot of cancer, you know, unfortunately. And so, um, so getting the, you know, the diagnostics, like I wouldn't do a CT scan probably right off the bat or something like that, because that requires general anesthesia, but abdominal ultrasound, chest x-ray, you can get a lot of good information. And just to make sure they were probably going to, and on the blood work, they were probably going to check another um, measure. There's another way of measuring the calcium, which is uh, ionized calcium, which is the more like metabolically active. And if that one isn't elevated, then it's not as big of a, as big of a problem. So it's, and it's not a bad idea to, to do that either, you know, um, just to, just to make sure that we, we have all the information, um, you know, the fresh pet diet, you know, they got a lot of synthetics and, you know, synthetic nutrients. And so could, nutritionally something be off in the diet. I mean, I think that's a possibility. So maybe trying, you know, more of a whole food rotation, like we recommend where you're not relying on synthetic nutrients to balance the diet um, would probably be a good idea just to make sure that, you know, we have the uh, nutrition correct. And then the other thing that's a lot less common is it's hyperparathyroidism. So the parathyroid glands um, regulate calcium metabolism in the body. And if that gland is overactive or you have a, a tumor there, it um, it causes more calcium to be, um, it, it that gland regulates calcium metabolism. And it does that by, if if the body needs more, it removes it from the bone. So when it's overactive, the calcium goes up and it, you know, can be hard on the skeletal system because it's removing it from the bones. Now that, and there's some additional endocrine testing that you can actually measure the parathyroid hormone, which is the hormone that get, that governs that process. And this is different than the thyroid though. These little, the, the parathyroid gland sit right next to the thyroid gland in the same part of the body, but completely different. Um, they do, they do a completely different job in the body, but that would be another thing that, you know, you'd probably want to rule out, you know, it's more, more blood testing, but um, a high calcium, you know, it isn't normal. And you, you definitely would want to make sure that, you know, we're not overlooking something because if we do have some sort of cancer, obviously there's things we can do to help, help support the dog and, and, um, help keep it from progressing. But if they are not working with the holistic vet, what is the typical route that, uh, well, there's two questions here. Number one, what 
the pet parent really wants to ask themselves is if we're going to go through these other diagnostics, right? We're going to pay for these tests. We're going to go for more blood work. What are we actually willing to do and how much are we willing to pay to correct this issue? Right? Because I guess that would be the question for if they're going to stay in the traditional vein to say, how many tests do I need to take? And what are we going to do if we find out that this is a cancerous type situation? Is that uh, chemo radiation taking the leg off, something like that? Well, that would be the conventional recommendations. Um, but that's at that point, you know, if they did want to work with me, you know, once we get the testing done, we know what we're dealing with, then, you know, we, you know, I could help them with more natural alternatives if it, if it did end end up being cancerous and, you know, we don't even know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, there's so many reasons why a dog could limp too. So, and, and an elevated calcium and limp aren't necessarily related. And the types of tumors, again, that would typically show up in a leg will, wouldn't commonly cause the, um, the, the calcium to go up. So, you know, that, but that, you know, should also be investigated, you know, maybe the leg itself needs an x-ray or maybe, you know, they need to go to a chiropractor or something like that to, you know, there might be something else going on that's causing the limp that isn't cancer and maybe isn't even related to the elevated calcium. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing about it too, is that I did say, um, I think we need to make sure I always on a limp, Dr. Jacek, one real simple thing, make sure the toenails are cut, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I see this a lot where I see dogs that have long toenails and that uh, can cause a dog to limp. A lot of people, especially with dogs with black toenails, they're afraid to cut their toenails because they Mm -hmm. don't want to hurt their dog. But you guys, if your dog's limping, clearly the toenails are too long. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say that. And then I would also say, let's get the um, let's get the weight down. And what's concerning is the pet parent made the statement, I don't even feed her as much as she should be fed and she's still gaining weight. Now, to me, that says it's a very substandard food, um, you know, and I, I would definitely be taking a look at that. But um, but yeah, she, she wanted to know if she should go in and uh, they thought there were some increases in the kidney values. We didn't see that. Um, the bun and the creatine, uh, I think is elevated due to the fact that she's, you know, feeding a fresh pet. It's in line with the raw fed dog. Um, but the, the, um, they, they are looking at, you know, in, in this report that I, I see from the, from the, um, vet, you know, they're saying, oh, well, the dog is drooling on walks and, you know, um, I, I, I see this dog every day because it's in my neighborhood. I don't, I don't see that the dog is drooling on walks. So I don't know, but they are looking at hyperparathyroidism. You know, um, they think that, you know, they, they want to make sure that this dog doesn't have hypercalcemia of, of malignancy from a hyperparathyroidism. That's a long word. 
<laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of it's a lot of big words. You need like a couple cups of coffee at least to get those out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh they wanted to do other labs. So you would say go ahead and get uh another lab test, right? I would. I I I do the blood work because I think it's good, you know, I think the diagnostics are good to so that we know what we're doing, differentiate, well, is this like a metabolic thing, an endocrine thing? You know, the dog gaining weight too, that, you know, could be a low thyroid too. So this dog could just have a really kind of messed up endocrine system that needs more, that needs more support. But again, you got to start, you know, with a good diet. I mean, I think it would be worth doing the test to rule out something more serious you could do the diet change and then retest but then if you did have cancer you know it it might take you know six to eight weeks for that those blood levels to really change and everything to normalize and then you'd be like not treating a cancer you know for for a while that's why i think it'd be good just because you know i see so dadgum much cancer these days you know i'd hate to be um, overlooking that and just saying, well, let's correct the nutrition first, though correcting the nutrition still going to be important. I think, you know, ruling out um, an underlying, you know, potentially more serious condition would still be a good idea. Yeah. You know, they, it's so funny because they still, they will say with a high bond or creatinine, they will say, oh, this looks like could be liver disease. And it's, you know, we see that all the time in raw fed dogs. Yeah. And when you look at the the levels, um, it is uh, 0.5 to 1.6. And this dog just has a 1.7. Um, and then in the bun, 6 to a 31, this dog has 39. Those are right in line with what we see raw fed dogs on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Values like that don't concern me. I mean, you know, it's, it's good to monitor. Like if I see that in a middle-aged dog, like, yeah, I'd probably check it again in maybe 90 days just to make sure it's not on an upward trend and there's not more going on with the kidneys. But if values at that level um, go up and just kind of stabilize there, especially if they're on, you know, eating fresh meat. Yeah. I don't, I don't get excited about that, but, you know, I think people need to realize that, there's this, um, there's this like staging system for kidney issues. And I don't even know exactly how they do it. Cause I don't, I don't do it. I don't like, there's like a stage one kidney failure and stage two and stage three. And, and, you know, so they'll see a dog like that values like that and call it like, Oh, it's stage two kidney failure. And it, and it scares people to death. Cause like, Oh my gosh, my dog's in kidney failure. Like, no, I, I don't think so. Like <laughs> just, you know, the values can go up a little bit with the diet. There's some individual variation and those elevations aren't high enough to indicate any sort of kidney failure. I mean, the values have to go up a lot more than that before we have really compromised kidney function. So I, I mean, the, my point in saying that is there's a lot of fear. Um, conventional practitioners like C1, you know, you know, see some abnormalities like that. And then they want to like, you know, paint this picture of doom and gloom is what tends to come out of conventional medicine. So just be, you know, be a little careful about that. I, I see things, you know, 
over things like that, where, you know, kidney and liver values, especially are going to fluctuate, they're going to go up and down their dynamic organs. Um, there's multiple things that can cause fluctuations. It doesn't just mean oh, the organs failing. So be just be a little bit aware of that. And if you'd like a second opinion, you can always contact Dr. Jasek and she will review uh, your uh, results from your traditional vet. Okay, so here is another issue. This dog is five years old, Dr. Jasek, and the pet parent says, this dog has had chronic ear infections since it was six months old. Okay, so um, asking lots of questions, trying to get to the root of this. And here, I wanted to ask you about this. So this is a giant poodle. And at six months of age, a groomer, plucked all the hair from his ears inside of his ears uh, without telling the pet parents. Um, and so his ears were, you know, inflamed and obviously painful. I don't even know how, how does a dog allow somebody to pluck the <laughs> hair from the inside? You know, it's, it's always amazed me too. It's done. I mean, it's done, all the, done routinely groomers, you know, they, they pluck all the hair out, but I guess the dogs just get used to it. But yeah, I would, think that would be pretty painful but yeah it, it just sounds horrible to me um and and it, isn't the hair there for a reason i mean would you suggest that you pluck the hair out of a dog's ears if it's not if it's not causing a problem then i think you don't necessarily need to because it is natural what I see happen sometimes if we do get in, infected ears that get this real, you know, black, waxy kind of gunk in there, then it it gets all wadded up. And I've seen dogs, I mean, I've seen patients where when I like had my bigger clinic, it actually have to sedate the dog and go in and and there would just be like this wad, like a golf ball in there of of for a big dog. Um of just hair and gunk and that you have to get out. So if the ear canal is not healthy and you're getting that happen, then keeping some of the hair out of there, you know, can help. If the ear environment is healthy, then it probably isn't necessary. But, you know, we got a lot of things that we talk about that cause inflammation and that oftentimes shows up in the ears. And then, you, you know, you end up with these wet, goopy, gunky ears. Well, this particular pet uh, is on a raw diet. Um, now, here is what this dog at five years old, uh, because the pet parent is saying, look, we are still dealing with chronic ear infections since he was six months old. Um, currently, this uh, pet parent is seeing a holistic vet. I'm not um, familiar with this vet, so I can't state whether it is a truly holistic vet or not. However, uh, this vet has recommended standard process um, uh, supplements. He has been given many rounds of prednisone when the inflammation is more severe. And then they do ear swabs with cytology, with a cytology screening at each visit. Now, um, they have some other things that they are adding. Let's see. They eliminated beef because they were worried that it might be beef. When they eliminated the beef, the dog got pretty skinny. So they would love to be able to mm. add the beef back in if they could. But um, they're doing several 
supplements. So let me tell you what 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 this dog is taking. Uh, from Four Leaf Rover, they are doing the Protect, which is a probiotic, and the Green Rover, which is you know sprouted greens. Then the Holistic Bed also has him on standard process Zymax, four capsules a day, Prozyme by uh, PRN Pharmacy. And then they do Liver Tune by Dr. Tobias. And they do Bragg's apple cider vinegar to his first meal. Uh, they are feeding a pure raw diet, uh, turkey, pork, duck, and rabbit. Uh, pork would be the, the next highest, I guess, in the omega-6s. But uh, they did a Glacier Peak holistic life stress scan. They don't give him any dairy or grains. Um, and they do some treats that are pork. So anything in that that stands out that you might say to the pet parent, let's stop doing that? Well, I I would pull the standard process supplements because the the thing I don't care for about standard process is there's just too many things in there. It, it, most of their supplements have like 20 to 30 ingredients. I mean, literally just go look at their label. And they do have things in there that are more carb, like they'll have things like um, buckwheat and oat straw and things that I'm like, why is that in there? Like, you know, I, like I can see some of the stuff that they put in there. I can see it's, it's appropriate for what the supplement's supposed to do, but then there seems like there's a lot of ingredients and there's a lot of like inactive ingredients. I don't see a supplement that has like six or eight inactive or inert ingredients. Like, well, what's that stuff in that, you know, in the, you know, if you look at the ingredients on like four leaf Rover products or door beast, I mean, they're like, they don't have any of that stuff in there. So there's companies that, that do that. They just have the whole foods in there and you just don't know what could your dog be reacting to. There's something, you know, ear, ear infections, any kind of skin issue. And, you know, the inside of the ear canal is the same skin that's on the outside of the body. It's just in a different spot. And because it's, you know, warm and moist in there, the bacteria and the yeast um, tend to grow more. But when that's, you know, an ongoing thing, something's triggering inflammation in the body. And you have to start, you know, eliminating things that, you know, could be potential triggers. So of course we always start with diet um, and then any supplements that might be triggering that. Now, whenever I hear our dog starts with something chronic like this at six months of age, I, I would say 99% chance that vaccines are, were an, an original cause of this because what happens the first six months of life, unless you know, I always ask the question, but most puppies get a whole grundle of uh, vaccines. And I do think that can sometimes have, um, you know, long lasting effects on the body. And um, so, and that would be my other question is, have they continued to vaccinate this dog? Because if they have, that's probably um, also a big, a big part of the problem. Yeah. Um, and I was actually looking for that information. Um, I know I saw it. I think that they do tighter. However, he did, uh, I think his last rabies was his three years. 
his three-year rabies shot. So that would lead me to believe at least this dog has been um, with two rounds, right? Two rounds of, of vac vaccines. And I think it's very hard for pet parents, especially when maybe they're seeing a holistic vet. Um, and, and maybe this holistic vet, because I haven't talked to this pet parent, is suggesting titers and and no more shots but definitely if you have reoccurring ear infections reoccurring skin infections man you don't want to be doing any more vaccines and listen pet parents dr jasek and i have talked about this you can pull out the inserts if if a dog is in this kind of situation it doesn't fall under the healthy dog category uh that would allow them to get a vaccine anyway right right it, it sure shouldn't, you know, it sure shouldn't. And, and, and also making sure that, you know, the other preventatives, and that sounds like these, these folks are, you know, um, doing things pretty, pretty naturally, but, you know, I always ask those questions, making sure there's no other, no other chemicals. And then, you know, I, I would, if I was working with a case like this, I'd want to know exactly what the dog was, you know, treated with and, you know, what worked, you know, so if something like prednisone worked, well, that's an anti-inflammatory. Again, we need to reduce inflammation in the body. And, you know, there's a lot of herbal blends. Um, I actually have a, a Chinese herbal blend I, I use that's specific for the ears that, that can help um, reduce inflammation, very, very targeted for the ears, if that's the only part of the body that's, that's affected. That's another question I always ask too, is, you know, is the rest of the skin okay? And if it's just the ears, then, you know, we can target the ears. Sometimes we need to do some, um, you know, some different topicals. And I, 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 I have worked with dogs that have had really, really um, stubborn, um, stubborn ear issues. I mean, just really tough to like get to clear up for a little bit. And then they keep coming back. And oh, another thing that I have run into too is, you know, I ask what is currently being done? Because I have seen a lot of um, typical cleaners that your vet, your cleaners that your vet will send home with you actually be part of the problem. And when I, because they're, they irritate the ears, there's again, chemicals, you know, isopropyl alcohol, there's things in there that can sometimes be irritating the ears. So sometimes, you know, we need to back off on some of the topicals, let the, um, you know, let the inflammation come down and then, and see where we're at, because sometimes some of those products I've seen those, you know, a key thing, you know, that I hear sometimes is, well, every time I clean my dog's ears, it just, they just get all red and, and seem to bother the dog more for a while. Well, that's telling you that there might be something in the cleaner. So just using a little bit of coconut oil, maybe a little uh, dilute apple cider vinegar, just putting some something really natural in the ears and backing off on any anything from the vet that would have chemicals in and uh, and see what happens there too. Yeah, I was going to, that was my next question about this. Good lead in. Um, so their conventional vet recommended every other day for two weeks, uh, starting May 5th is when they got this. Um, this vetoquinol, vetoquinol, quinol, 
Q-U-I-N-O-L, ear cleansing solution with aloe vera. So what I did was I looked this up. Uh, here's the ingredients, the active ingredients, denatured alcohol, 10%, lactic acid, 1.76. But then in the inactive ingredients of this ear solution, it says a fragrant base containing aloe gel. Now, I don't think we need anything that has a fragrant base in it because uh, right. why, why would you need that? So um, that is something that she is currently putting in the dog's ear. Would this be something that you would say, let's pull that away from the dog's routine at the moment? Yeah, I would. I would. Cause I definitely have seen um, these products fl- flare up the ears and, and make them worse. Cause again, it's all starts with inflammation, all the bacteria in the yeast that ear cytology that they do, you know, you take your dog in and then they put a Q-tip in there and then what are they going to find? Well, I mean, I used to do those because that's kind of how we're trained, but I quit because what are you going to see? Bacteria and yeast every single time because the underlying issue is the inflammation and then that bacteria and yeast growing are secondary to the inflammation. They're always going to be there. So it just felt like a waste. Like, I know I'm going to find the exact same thing that I find in every ear swab. So it kind of seemed like it, that information didn't help guide treatment at all. And just spending the client's money. Uh, But, but if you're not, you're not, and you're not getting to the, uh, to the, to the root cause at, at that point. So, you know, again, don't, don't get hung up on, oh, my dog has yeast in the ears. Well, of course they do. Anytime you have an inflamed ear, you're, you're going to have yeast in there, but that's not the, um, not the underlying problem. The underlying problem is inflammation. So that's why we need to make sure we're not um, putting things in the ears that are inflaming them. So, you know, just do the experiment. Don't do that for a week. Put a little coconut oil in the dog. Coconut oil is really soothing for, for, um, it. And if there's a really bad infection, sometimes it's not, you know, enough, we need to do more things, but just for simple irritated ears, just a little bit of the solid coconut oil, right at the entrance, the ear canal, you can massage it, let it run in there. It's, it's very soothing and just take a break from the more conventional products and just, you know, see what you notice. If you find that, Hey, the dog does better using that product, then great. I don't ever argue with a success, but I think we, we have to be sure we're not contributing to the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I was, uh, looking at in regards to the ears, heavy metals, right? Heavy metals, they say are something that really can cause these problems in the ears. And people are like, well, where, where, where are heavy metals? Leontech, heartworm, vaccines, uh, water. I mean, the, the heavy metals can be in so many different places. So that's something, uh, that you want to make sure that you're aware of. And then also, don't put hydrogen peroxide in your dog's ears. Um, you know, Dr. Jason, some people do this hydrogen peroxide, but it's really irritating to the ears um, and it can cause even more inflammation. So we want to make sure that we don't do hydrogen peroxide. It's going to kill the good bacteria as well. Uh, my mom, my mom used to do that to me when I was a kid, when I complained that like my ears were itchy, supposedly dissolved the wax out and you put it in there and it, like it bubbles up and stuff. It was a really weird feeling. <laughs> Your dog will not like you if you do that. 
my ears don't itch they don't itch <laughs> put it in there um all right so one more question so we had this oh my goodness so this pet parent um a breath is a is a, a wonderful pet parent a, a great um a customer of ours, but the dog came down to the warehouse last week when I was there and Dr. Jasek, I've never seen a dog with so much black skin. And this dog looked just like Lozzie. The skin mm. was no skin, uh, no hair on the neck. Uh, no, uh, no uh, hair, you know, on the inside of the legs and the, and the body. Um, when you see a dog that is showing these signs of total hair loss and it, you know, it sort of looks like the mange. It really does. Um, and you start looking at the traditional vaccine schedule where you've got lepto and you got cytopoint and you've got um, all the traditional stuff. Do you see hope that this can be rectified, that the body can turn itself around with some help and grow that hair back? Um, yes, it, it it is definitely possible. Is is the dog itchy? Is it like itchy inflamed skin or? Yes, yes okay. it had, uh, you could see on the face, right by um, the, the back, you know, uh, mouth where it's scratching bloody there bloody on the ankles where it's still itching um again on a good species appropriate diet but oh my goodness my heart just went out to this dog and this pet parent who it has just been a um downward spiral mm. yeah i it when I see skin stuff that severe, I mean, I do think it's good to to rule out mites, which, um, you know, um, it requires a skin scraping, which is you have to go in and they take up actually a blade, like a scalpel blade and just scrape the surface of the skin a little bit and then put it under the microscope and look for mites because mites are microscopic. And when skin is that severe, especially when there's really intense itching, um, mites are not common, but, but, you know, that can be a thing. And that's always something I do think about when we have really, um, inflamed skin like that. But then the ne the other thing, which I probably see more commonly is some sort of autoimmune. So again, we're immune system disruption. Um, I have been working with a case very similar. This, how old is this dog? Do you know, Dee? Uh, almost two, not quite two. Yeah. Yeah. So young dogs. So I think when this stuff starts in young dogs, we got it's a good chance. This is that immune system disruption from those early vaccines. I really do think that's a, that's a rule, but anyway, I'm working with uh, also German shepherd. Um, this patient is down in Florida, but very similar. And she told me once she said, I knew my dog was in bad shape when you kind of gasped the first time you saw him because I, I mean, this dog literally like the whole half of its body was the hair was gone, like no hair and itchy. And it was really pretty extreme. And um, and uh, we've done some different herbs. We did some things for autoimmune and inflammation. I've been working with her for maybe six or seven months now. And and I talked to her um, actually just last week and said how things are going. She says everything's great dog's doing great itching 
very minimal. All the hair is starting to grow back. She can see like the little fuzz and she says, you just need refills on the herbs. So we, we got there with that one, you know, it took some trial and error and there's some ups and downs, but can it be helped? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think if, if mites are ruled out, then I say it's this immune disruption from, from the vaccines is I, I think the most common thing. I mean, what else could set, set off that kind of inflammation in the body? You know, it has to be something pretty extreme to completely throw the, you know, the, the immune system that far out of whack. And I think something like that is literally like, it's an autoimmune, um, like attack on the hair follicles almost. Cause you know, the hair is just falling out like that on its own. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a really severe disruption. And I mean, what, what's going to do that? Um, but vaccines sure can. Well, this particular dog had, um, Canine Bordetello. Uh, I don't know what Tresoderm is. Uh, they also had uh, one year rabies, uh, the canine DAPP, the Lepto, the Simpatico Trio, which is oh geez, yeah, horrible. Uh, then he, you know, he got the Panicure Dewormer. Uh, then the dog was on Cytopoint, um, and then metronidazole. I mean, this dog has been on no. so many different things and it's not even two years old. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and this, I, I, and, and I think what happens is that pet parents think, okay, I can just keep giving them a bath, keep giving them a bath and we're going to, you know, somehow uh, help this itching. It doesn't always work that way because this is coming from something on the inside. A lot of times these, you know, m- massive baths or, taking all the oils out of the dog's skin. So it's, they get caught in this catch 22 and I just feel for both of them. Right. Oh, yeah. It, 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 the dog looks horrible. The dog looks sad. And uh, the pet parents, you know, spent thousands, thousands. And again, I don't think that people realize things like simpatico trio. Oh, good Lord. You know, that's horrible. And then, and just one round of rabies, one round of rabies can set a dog off. And this is, this is the thing that really bothers me, Dr. Jason, you know, when you and I hear this, well, I have to. And I was saying to my mom the other day, I could not take my dog in and let them get a shot no matter what, because I've seen so many damaging things. I, 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 I can't imagine having this perfectly healthy dog. And then you walk in and because I don't have the guts to stand it from my vet and say no or push back or whatever, then I get my dog back and he loses all his hair and he can't stop itching. I would feel horrible. I know. I know. I agree. It wouldn't do it. I mean, there's a point where you, you have to push back and say, yeah, there's there's rules. There's rules that say what you know you're supposed to do. But if those rules don't make sense, I mean, don't we have an obligation to our pets to stand up on on their behalf and say look this doesn't this doesn't make any sense i'm not doing it you know one of the um times i have this conversation with people quite frequently is for travel i was talking to somebody that is looking at maybe moving to mexico and she's like she really did not want to vaccinate i said I don't know how you travel. I mean, I, I don't have an answer for that. You're going to go to a different country. You're going to be asked to show proof of rabies. 
And, you know, um, it, you know, sometimes they don't check paperwork, but if you want to do that, you're going to have to get that vaccine. My choice would be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't take my pet. I wouldn't move. I wouldn't, you know, because I, I'm, I, I agree with you, Dee. I just see so much damage done by these vaccines that I just wouldn't do it. We'll just hang out here in our little homestead in Tennessee. <laughs> well, I, I mean, do you think, I mean, they are, uh, well, I don't know if they are or not, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. Obviously he's been fighting. You've got a lot of people fighting on the human side um, for healthy, you know, uh, shots, which I don't, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I mean, nobody's really, if the, if the Supreme court has stated all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And they said that because you know, Reagan said, well, why don't you just make a safe vaccine? And they said, well, we can't, right? All vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. But I don't I don't know if there's ever going to be a fight for the dogs, right? I, who, who's actually going to lead that fight, Dr. JC? Because as we have seen, um, you get blacklisted, you get you know, threatened with your license, you get this, you get that. I, it, it really just has to be up to the pet parents ignoring mm-hmm. some of that very strong um, uh, suggestion from a traditional vet and yeah. maybe even some holistic vets that are out there. Today. I don't know, but yeah, there's, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people like rabies is the law rabies. Like so many vets are like, so afraid to say, you know, no, it's, it's better if you don't get rabies because well, it's the law you have to, you know, you have to do the rabies. Like you don't have to do anything, you know, I mean, there can be repercussions for your decision, but you know, nobody, nobody is forcing you to do anything. It's, it's still a choice and you have to decide if you're going to do what's in the, you know, best interest of your pet's health. And, and I agree it's, it's up to the pet parents. I, you know, I feel like I've been bucking this system for decades, you know, my whole career pretty much, because once you see, okay, this conventional stuff, the way we're taught is not in the best interest of our pets, but having a, a, a few holistic vets around speaking out and doing something different is not going to change anything. It's the people walking into the conventional clinics and pushing back and voting with your dollars. That's where the change is is going to happen. There's really, I don't see a way because us holistic vets, you know, we're just a very small percentage of veterinarians overall. And they just think we're the kooky outliers, you know, like that, that's not going to, us doing something different is not going to stop, um, stop them from recommending the, the vaccines and mandating rabies to go into clinics. But people going in and making their life a little uh, more uncomfortable or walking out and not spending money there, um, that will. That's why I'm, that's why I sent out emails encouraging, um, you know, pet parents to to push back a little bit, because I do think that's that is where the change will happen. It isn't just going to it's just it's not going to happen on its own. And I think that's the best chance is people standing up and saying, nope, I'm going to advocate for my pet. And if you're going to force me to do this, then I will just go someplace else. Well, and you know what I see happening, certainly my business, your business, um, just what we saw in the last three years, 
there there are those of us that are really looking at health, right? We're really trying to speak out against what is not good for people or pets. But we get knocked upside the head a lot by the very people that we are trying to help. And I guess what I would like to caution, you know, you always you always want to push back. And, and certainly you can take pushback. I can take pushback. But what I guess I'm saying is be careful, pet parents, about the things that you complain about. Make sure that they are valid. Make sure that you understand um, the, the, the pros and the cons. Because if you don't, then those people who are taking those hits, sometimes they just wear out. And they get out of the business because it's too hard. And you just get worn out. And then you have nobody to fight for you anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it is so difficult um, sometimes, you know, where um, people come to us and they're saying, Hey, my dog's not doing well. And we're like, well, you need to look at what is the conventional route that you've been taking. Right. And that sometimes is very offensive to people. And I'm like, well, you can either kind of realize that these are toxins going into your pet, or you can keep trying this food, that food, this food, that food. But it, it's it 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 sometimes it's very difficult, uh, and I know that you face the same thing um, because there is this veil up. It seems like there's this veil up. And they're like, well, no, that that's the way it's always been. So this must be good for my dog. And we're telling you it's not. Right. Right. Well, all conventional medicine, it's it's all symptom based. It's not about healing. And I would say that's, you know, pretty universal with maybe the exception of occasionally you got, you know, you know, you have a bacterial infection. We've talked about the appropriate use of antibiotics maybe there that might help, but, um, but true healing where you're supporting the body that does not happen in conventional medicine ever. I mean, really ever all the drugs, all the anti-drugs, the antibiotics, the antivirals, the anti-diarrheal, the anti-this, anti-that it's all suppressing. It's all suppressive medicine. So you're either killing something and if you're going to kill something, even though theoretically you, you might say, okay, we've got a pathogen, we have a bad bacteria, we're going to kill it. You're killing helpful, healthy bacteria as well. You can't, you don't just kill one thing. If you're giving, it's like the flea and tick, you're giving something that kills things. That's not going to be good for the body because you're going to be killing other stuff in the body that's beneficial. And then everything else, and I think where people really get into trouble on this skin stuff is the it's symptomatic treatment so you start a dog on prednisone you do cytopoint or the god-awful apoquil and yeah they get better and that's pretty cool because you don't want your dog to be itching and you give them this stuff and in 24 hours oh they don't itch and we can sleep through the night but then try to take the dogs off of those meds and it does not go well. It is really hard to get dogs off of Apical. It's just this huge 
you know, a huge rebound effect. Um, now, you know, sometimes I have used prednisone just temporarily just to give some relief to the situation. We're just doing it real short term while we're giving our herbs and other things we're doing time to kind of kick in and have an effect. But if that's just their, their answer is, is suppressive medicine, your only thing you're doing is treating symptoms. And yeah, you can make conventional medicines great and making symptoms go away. But then you're going to end up with something way worse on down the line. I've seen it many, many times. You're going to end up with cancer or some hormonal disruption or endocrine disruption or something like that from using these drugs because these drugs are interrupting normal processes in the body. And then the body's skin is inflamed and itchy and hair falling out. We have to look at that and say, oh my goodness, what's going on in this dog's body that's causing this reaction? And we need to correct that. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes months and months and months, but can it be done, especially in a young dog? Yeah, absolutely. But it takes perseverance and it, it, it takes patience and, and the, you know, skin cases that I work with that we have success, I would say we're easily six to eight months of, of working with the pets and this just dedication on the part of the pet parent to not revert back to the drugs. Um, but it, it, it can be done. It just does take, take a bit of time. Yeah. Which, which is one of the biggest issues. People don't want to wait that long, but I think if you have a different perspective that says, all right, look, if I can get my dog killed in eight months and I don't disrupt the body, then I have all this time with my dog in the future right? I have uh, a healthy dog in the future. And like what you and I see is when you do all of these toxins that have the immediate relief that you're looking for, you have problems down the line. You're just going to have problems down the line. And they're there. So we have to sort of, it's hard to present that to our pet parents because they're like, I want something immediate. I want to be able to sleep at night. I want my dog to feel better. But do you want your dog to have a long, healthy life or are you going to be on medications for the rest of the dog's life? Like this dog, uh, Bear, the standard poodle that, um, you know, they've come to us because and, and they're not even buying, you know, food from us. It's not this. It, it, it is still they're on the raw diet, but they know that we know something right that that we may have another solution. And I feel for them because they've been on medications for five years, Dr. Jasek, five yeah. years. Now she, and she said, um, we have spent thousands and thousands and thousands and they're still not getting that ear corrected. That That drives pet parents mad. So there has to be a better way. There has to be, a, there has, has to be a better way and I think the holistic approach is that better way. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it's very frightening for pet parents to um, walk away, you know, and, and we say, listen, um, we're going to be in direct opposition to a lot of what you're already doing, to what you have already invested time and money in. Are you willing to go down that route? 
that's really the question, because if you're not, then you probably have to just stay the course that you're on. Right. 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 It's, it's very hard to go back and forth. I, you know, the holistic approach is not going to be anywhere near as effective and may not work at all. If you're also doing the conventional approach, I I had this conversation with the client. She actually told me around a a zoom call and um, she said, I don't know that I really buy into this holistic stuff. There's really no like research, you know, proving that it's valid. And I thought, huh, so why did you schedule an appointment with me? But okay. Um, So, but I told her that exact what I just said, I said, well, you can't do both. I said, if, if you want, it's pretty, I think this was the skin case. I said, if you, if you want the holistic route to work, to help your dog, you got to let go of the other stuff. You, You just, you just, can't do both. You can't do just holistic a little bit. You can't do all the conventional stuff and then add in a few herbs and expect your dog to heal because you're poisoning the dog. It's like having your foot on the, on the gas and the brake at the same time. You know, it, it just, it just doesn't work. Body's never going to heal that way. No, no, it's not. And, And we feel for the pet parents. We really do. But again, it is a mind shift. Um, and we, we'd love to see the success that we do see that you see. Um, so we would encourage you to kind of question, where are you heading with that traditional protocol? Where is your dog going? Are we killing off the good bacteria? Are we, um, adding to the auto, uh, issues that autoimmune issues that we see in dog? We have to ask those questions. So, um, we hope that this podcast, these podcasts that we do, uh, every day will help you uh, be more educated, give you the courage. And then I would always encourage you to reach out to Dr. Judy Jasek over there in Tennessee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she can help you. She's back on it. She's back in the saddle, as we say, Dr. Jasek. Back, back, back in, in the saddle. That's right. <laughs> will you be getting a horse, do you think? At some point, um, you know, one of our goals is to raise more of our own food and, and horses on the, on a homestead are, though it would be really fun. I, I love to ride. I, I had horse, I've had horses for a lot of my life. Um, but they're a bit of a luxury on, on the homestead. And, you know, you want to make sure if your goal is to raise food and with what's going on in the food industry these days, um, that's, that really is our primary goal is to get food production going. And then if you have enough, you know, resources, if feeds available, you know, you can buy hay and things like that, then having a horse would be fun. So that, that possibly, but a little bit further on down the road. That's so cool. I guess I didn't realize that you rode, that you were a horse rider. Oh yeah. I used to do, um, like competitive trail riding. Oh, I've done trail riding and stuff, but I did, um, endurance riding like 25 and 50 mile rides years ago. So that's mainly, mainly what I've done. And then in Colorado, yeah, I did mostly mountain riding. I, I really like just getting out on the trails. So yeah, I did that for a lot of years. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I love having horses around, but you know, we're, we got to kind of prioritize what we're doing and, and that'll make, be a, the next, uh, the next layer perhaps. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, everybody, I want you to get over to Dr. Judy Jasek. I mean, she can tackle these 
um, these tough issues. She can review labs. She can give you some advice um, on how to uh, work with your traditional vet if you're so inclined to do that uh, and how to ask them the right questions to get you the information that you need. So you want to get over to ahavet.com, ahavet.com. Get your dog off of the kibble. Get them off the kibble. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We can help you. If you're overwhelmed, hit that I'm overwhelmed button. We do have a chat. Uh, Our customer service people will jump in there and help you. Um, We will always get back to you, even if we don't get back to you right away. So get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, Dr. Jasek. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.